Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 60 for the love of the game is brought to you by Overlay DFS. Are you tired of having to pick the perfect lineup and perfect player in every position in order to win money in salary cap DFS? Do you want a fantasy game where the pros with 150 lineups and computer programs can't dominate? Well, Overlay Fantasy Sports has a new revolutionary start sip game for daily fantasy sports. They are the home for the single entry GPP. So here's uh, how to play. It's uh, fairly simple. So you make 12 start sit decisions based on 30 different matchups that are presented. Uh, A win-loss or a tie will be awarded to your overall record. Records in the top 10% usually win nine times your buy-in. A perfect 12-0 will win you the progressive bonus, which this week is a really big bonus. And all matchups are player versus player, uh, who will have more total fantasy points. So it's a major spin on uh, weekly fantasy. Usually 8 and 4 is good enough to cash in. Sometimes even 7 and 5 on some weeks. Sometimes it's 9 and 3, but it's not overrun by uh people with algorithms. It's single entry. It's really enjoyable for everybody at every level. Uh you make 12 picks based on confidence and who you think is going to perform best. Uh, a couple of really juicy NFL Week 6 matchups include DeAndre Hopkins versus Julio Jones, Lamar Jackson versus Russell Wilson, Alvin Kamara versus Dalvin Cook, and many more. The object is to stay consistent and finish in the top 10 of the field to win nine times your buy-in until the stars align, you go 12-0, and you hit that progressive bonus. If no one hits the perfect 12-0, then uh, the bonus keeps growing and rolling over until somebody hits it. It's like the super contest for daily fantasy sports. Don't get shut out. Go to OverlayDFS.com, O-V-E-R-L-A-Y-D-F-S.com today. Uh, They have a new mobile app. It looks great. And uh, get in the game and play and win. And with that being said, episode 60, let's rock. DJ Khaled, we the best. We the best, man. Listen Just got a hundred of that brown paper bag money. Cause Philly wanna talk money yeah. Real So all I can tell them Just wrap them up good So the dogs can't smell them Come on Brown no paper bag. I'm so focused on the top of that I can see clearly now Y'all already know Watch my moves Thank God for those days Thank God for those nights Though it might seem wrong Thank God for that white They used to call me the Pyrex Kid Ooh. A.K.A. Young Arm and Hammer In the kitchen with the pots Yeah, I work the glass Hard on them pimp Yeah, I work the and when they came in, we unpacked them all oh. Broke them all down and unwrapped them all Just two words with duffel bags I just know it so well, can't help but brag Yo, I've got 10 mil, man, got three it's just Here we go again, welcome back Episode 60 for the love of the game Gotta say, I'm extremely jazzed up about tonight's episode I got major juice going tonight Took a week off And quite honestly, episode 59 Lacked that punch, lacked that sizzle a little bit But not not tonight. Tonight's we're bringing that thump. We're bringing that thunder and lightning. With all that said, let's get right into it. We got a lot to talk about tonight. It's going to be an absolute heater of an episode, um, just like it normally is, but ultra jazzed up tonight. Let's start with the New York Yankees. They put an absolute beatdown on the Minnesota Twins in the ALDS like they always do. There are very few certainties in sports, but the Yankees kicking the Twins' ass in the playoffs is one of them. I mean, it's been like 16 straight playoff wins for the Yankees against the Twins. The pitching showed up. 
uh, you know, especially Tanaka and Severino, who are who are great. Severino with the four strong innings, especially coming back um, from injury, still getting his uh, his arm strength back, but he was able to get out of trouble in the in the second inning. I mean, he had a great start. Uh, the hitters came to play. Didi, Glaber Torres, I mean, just a clinic by the Yankees who play the winner of Tampa and Houston that's currently happening right now. At the moment of recording, Houston in Game 5 is up 4-1 against the Rays. The fact that Houston and Tampa went five games is huge for the Yankees because that means no Garrett Cole till game three at the earliest and no Verlander in game one. This Yankee team is in a great position uh, to bring it home. Let's get that number 28 and bring it back to Titletown where the World Series trophy rightfully belongs. Uh, let's get let's get it, boys. Uh, as for the National League, well, we have the Cardinals against the Nationals. That uh, kind of shocked the Dodgers recently to see who's going to lose to the Yankees in the World Series. Man, the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw blew it again in Game 5. Unreal. Kershaw, one of the great pitchers of all time in the regular season, just has this unbelievable bugaboo about the playoffs. It's actually unprecedented, honestly. Somebody as great as he is who comes up as small as he does in the playoffs. So now it's the Cards against the Nationals for the NL crown. You know, it kicks off this weekend. Uh, the Yankees series uh, will be Saturday. We'll be uh, monitoring that uh, very, very closely. On to the NFL. Well, the Giants are currently paying the Patriots. Uh, right now, the score is knotted at zero. Again, this season is, isn't about wins and losses for the Giants. Uh, it's about seeing how Daniel Jones progresses. And he's had his moments where he's looked really, really good, really positive moments so far for him, um, which is important. And uh, it's important for Saquon Barkley to be healthy. It was smart for him not to play tonight. I know he was trying to get back for tonight's game, but they should be extremely cautious with him. Very smart that he didn't play tonight. That's what the Giants fans should be paying attention to. Daniel Jones getting healthy. The wins and losses doesn't really matter this year. You get another draft pick, you start building again, and you see what's up next year. As for the Jets, well, they get Sam Darnold back from his kissing disease this week, but it won't matter because the Jets are a mess, an absolute dumpster fire. Any uh, Jet fan who's looking at the schedule thinking they're going to make a late season run, well, it's really not going to happen because I've got news for you, Jet fans. Your team is one of the five worst teams in the NFL, and it's time to accept that. One at-large NFL point before going into this uh, week's five uh, picks against the spread. As I've said it for years, you can check my Twitter feed. I've been very consistent on this. Russell Wilson is the bet second best quarterback in the entire league. It's Patrick Mahomes one, it's Russell Wilson two, and the gap between him and number three is a pretty wide gap. What he's able to do is remarkable. His Week 5 performance was absolutely masterful. He's one of the five best players in the sport, and it's time for people to recognize this as fact. And keep in mind, he's doing this with an offensive coordinator who consistently runs the ball into the line and holds him back and calls a terrible game. He could put up Mahomes-esque numbers with a good offensive coordinator. It's time to put some respect on Russell Wilson's name, and I honestly don't understand why it's taking so long for people to do so. With that said, it's time for the week six pick five picks against the spread. I was back to a winning week last week, coming in at three and two, which puts me at 13 and 12 on the year. Not great, but we're uh, hopefully we're trending upwards. I think I'm about to get real hot the next few weeks, so here we go. Uh, this week's Picks against the spread. One, 
I got the Dolphins plus three and a half at home against the Redskins. Uh, a home underdog. And are we sure the Redskins are even better than the Dolphins at this point? And should the Redskins be favored against anybody on the road? I'm taking the points here. Uh, at two, the Titans plus two and a half on the road at Denver. This Titans team is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One week they're good, one week they're bad. Well, they were bad last week, so I think they bounced back this week, and I don't think Denver is good enough to put together two good games in a row. At three, I got Green Bay minus four against the Lions. Green Bay is at home. Monday night football, I like the way Green Bay is playing. They really dominated the Cowboys last week. Aaron Rodgers is pretty money in prime time, and I still don't buy the Lions quite yet. Green Bay minus four. At four, Seattle. I just mentioned Russell Wilson. Seattle minus five. I mean, I should say minus one and a half against the Browns at Cleveland. I just think Seattle's better. And the Browns right now look like a little bit of a dumpster fire. They seem to be like a, a bit of a mess. I think Seattle's one of the six or seven best teams in the league. It doesn't matter to me that Seattle's on the road. I'm taking Seattle minus one and a half. And at five, I've got the Cowboys minus seven and a half against the Jets. Why? Because the Jets stink. That's my reasoning. And the Cowboys need to bounce back badly after two straight losses. I think the Cowboys are good. Not as good as everybody else thinks they are, but I think they're good. I think the Jets are really bad. So I am riding with the Cowboys minus seven and a half. And now on to tonight's main topic. Uh, NBA season is basically here. Preseason games have begun. The season is basically upon us, which is fantastic. It's the best sport in all the land. And tonight we'll be previewing the Western Conference. Uh, the Eastern Conference preview will be a separate episode. But at first, as much as I love the NBA, and I don't love talking about topics not related to fun stuff about sports, the NBA was in the news this week for all the wrong reasons. And naturally, I have some thoughts because... As much as I respect Commissioner Adam Silver for what he's done with the league so far, let's just say he really didn't have such a great week. So a little bit of background for those who missed it. And honestly, if you did, you're probably living under a rock because this story is bigger than just sports. So there's a major conflict in Hong Kong about the extradition laws between Hong Kong and China. Uh, the people of Hong Kong are protesting, and it's getting a little messy. Now, I don't want to get too deep into... Uh, the particulars between uh, Chinese politics and the relationship between Hong Kong and China, because quite frankly, I am not qualified enough to do so. But be that as it may, uh, so the Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, who must, you know, read the newspaper and, and understand a little bit what's going on, is following the story, and he sends out a tweet supporting the protesters of Hong Kong. Ironic, because the end... The, biggest reason for the NBA's growth in China is the Houston Rockets due to when Yao Ming was playing for them. And actually, Daryl Morey was part of the front office when Yao had his time with the Rockets. Just so everybody knows, NBA China is essentially valued at a $4 billion entity. And the airing rights and streaming rights that the NBA has with China directly affect the basketball-related income, which the players and the owners split. So the level of, that B of the BRI, the basketball-related income, directly determines how big the salary cap is. So this is major business here, right? Needless to say... China got mad about this tweet. And Adam Silver comes out and gives this kind of, you know, 
weak statement that expresses regret over Daryl Morey's tweet. He did this two days after the tweet was sent, which, in my opinion, was two days too long. Now, since then, Adam Silver has made a secondary statement about saying that he won't apologize for the Maury tweet, that he wants his players to be open and honest and speak about certain things. And I cannot stress just how big of a story this is. It is so many layers to it. So let's start here. The NBA has made its brand on being the progressive and woke league. It's not the NFL, as they say. Our players are not just athletes. They don't just shut up and dribble. Players and coaches are encouraged to share their opinions on on social issues. And these players and coaches have had no problem speaking about uh, and these players and coaches have had no problems over the last couple of years speaking up about the political and social issues in this country. And allow me to get a little pointed politically here. Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Greg Popovich, and LeBron James have all been very vocal about their feelings against uh, the current president and the country's administration that is a democratic country, which at its core, everybody, even the ultra-progressives, stand for, unlike the Chinese, who are not a democratic country. They didn't have a problem calling the president a racist, which he's not, and being very critical of his policies, yet... When China, who is not a democracy, infringes on people's civil liberties in a worse way than even the most progressive and woke liberals in this country believe that our country does to minorities or whoever, they have absolutely nothing to say. Or even worse, Steve Kerr, when asked about it, he responds, he doesn't know enough about the issue to comment, which is a total crock of shit, considering Steve Kerr has made it known that he is more than just a basketball guy, that he's a citizen with other interests. Steve Kerr damn well knows enough to comment on the issue. In fact, it has been uncovered that he retweeted something about the situation earlier, you know, a couple of days ago. So him ducking the question because he, quote, doesn't know enough is absolute bullshit. He's doing it because it affects his bottom line. Now, whether he's been told or mandated by the league to stay quiet, that I can't 100% say. But I also do believe that Steve Kerr is a strong enough personality that if he really feels adamant about something, about human rights, which he seems to be in this country, that he should be able to speak up regardless of what the commissioner may have told him to do. But make no mistake, it is all about the money. It's a very liberal way of thinking to claim free speech until that free speech is against what they believe. Then it needs to be censored. I mean, have you seen Elizabeth Warren on Twitter, anybody? I mean, come on. Or it affects their, the liberal dollars. What a bunch of absolute hypocrites. You can't be the woke progressive liberal league when it comes to bathroom rules in North Carolina, be anti the president of the United States, which is a true democracy, even if you don't agree on his policies, and then when the democracy is being threatened against other people, or gone against against other people, all of a sudden you're being silent and not saying something. Especially when one of your general managers and colleagues expressed, you know, an opinion backing the people who are apparently being oppressed. Now, the NBA is a private enterprise. 
It's a for-profit business, and for them to protect their bottom line is 1,000% justified. But then say, as a league, we don't discuss political and social issues. Be above the fray. Take a book out of the Michael Jordan playbook in the 90s where he famously didn't get involved, and he said, quote, Republicans buy sneakers too. Or go the other way and be ultra-involved and comment on everything. But you can't pick and choose to take a stand and to make a statement when it's convenient for you. Be consistent. That's all I ask. That's all anybody asks. I think they, personally, I think they shouldn't comment at all. I think it should be a league-wide mandate that they should just stay above it. It gives you no headaches. Just say, we don't comment on political and social issues. And even if you have to change that mandate now, given where the league has been, you have to do it. Does it make you look weak? Fine. Will will the liberals and 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 the wokes or, or anybody who's really you know into into uh, politics, whatever side of the spectrum they may be, will they be upset that the NBA is now pulling back? Maybe. But you know what? It saves you this hassle because. The road that you've gone down now, now you're in a pickle because you can't look weak in the face of China, who is, you know, basically a dictatorship, and then kowtow to them, but then when there's something that you disagree with in your own backyard, then all of a sudden you have what to say. It just looks really bad. So the NBA's got to pick a lane. Either you're going to be apolitical and that's not censoring what people can and cannot say. You just say individuals can say what they want on Twitter, whatever. It's not, you know, it's going against the NBA. They are individuals. This is not the opinion of the league. You can go that way, and no one will fault you for that. If you're going to lean in to being extremely socially conscious, politically conscious everywhere, Fine, you can stay in that lane too, but you can't pick and choose and veer in between lanes because that just makes you look really, really bad. It's an unbelievable story because this story has not only political ramifications between two of the you know, biggest and most powerful countries in the world, but if you just want to take it at a sports face value, the deal with China can directly affect the salary cap. If the Chinese pull out and they don't want to air games, NBA games, the salary cap can go down 10 to 15%. That's a huge number. So this story isn't going away. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially with the NBA playing exhibition games in China. It was We weren't sure if we were going to get the Lakers and, and the Nets playing there, but that game went through. It, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating story. But make no mistake, and even if the NBA weathers the storm, that's not a win in, in my book. They did not win this week by weathering the storm. They looked really, really bad. And it's funny that you had conservatives and liberals coming together to really crap all over the NBA. That's how how much of, a, of hypocrites they looked, and, and it's really not a good look for the league. Now, the interesting thing about this, obviously, is that, you know, it appears at the surface that China holds this, you know, major carrot over the NBA in terms of their dollars. But the NBA also has, you know, major in revenue streams for China. 
It's one of the biggest forms of entertainment that the country has. So for China just to get rid of airing NBA games would affect China in terms of their revenue as well. I mean, they make money off of advertising of these games as well. So it's not crazy, or I should say as... um, it's not as one-sided as you may think because the NBA is is the biggest form of entertainment there. But the NBA should be going accordance with the government of the United States of America that shouldn't be kowtowing to China. And we, we need to, if you're going to be in the business of, of speaking up publicly, uh, you shouldn't be picking and choosing based on when it affects you most in terms of your bottom dollar. And if you just want to be all about the money, that's fine too, but you got to pick a lane and stay in it because otherwise you're going to be a monster, monster hypocrite. With that said, we're going to get into lighter topics. Um, We're going to talk about the Western Conference, as I mentioned. We're going to do over-unders. We're going to do intriguing teams. We're going to do who's going to make the playoffs and who won't in just a moment. NBA season is around the corner. I think you can expect when talking about the Western Conference who I had to bring on, uh, a recurring guest, Laker fan extraordinaire, uh, the 2019, I should say 2020 NBA champion, say Los Angeles Lakers after one preseason game, uh, none other than Mr. Robert Carpellis. Rob, what's going on? That's right. It's going well. How you doing? Doing all right, doing okay. Uh, happy to be back in the studio. Happy to be talking about the NBA, um, considering it's the best league in all the land, and it's uh, the season's almost upon us, which is great because with the weather turning in New York and it getting cold, and my fan, my I should say, my tan fading a little bit, uh, I need a little bit of a pick me up. But um, before we get all into the lighthearted stuff, I mean, obviously the NBA was in the news for all the wrong reasons. You and I, you know, we go back and forth on Twitter a bunch. Um, sometimes we agree uh, politically, sometimes we don't, which is which is actually cool because we have discourse unlike uh, most of the other politicians in this uh, country. But what was your initial take when you when you saw the tweet, when you saw the reaction, saw Adam Silver's initial statement, like? What did you? What was, What were you thinking about? Um, I mean, a, like a quick sort of recap. I think initially, um, you know, I thought Maury was Daryl Maury, the GM of the Rockets, was in the right, obviously for you know voicing his opinion um, on Twitter. But then I, I I thought about it, you know, a little bit more, and I talked to some friends who sort of convinced me that you know when you're when you're in business with whether it's another market another country, um, any other type of business partner, you always want to sort of act accordingly. You know, if, um, you know, I have a job and I have an an employer and if I, um, you know, if I talk badly about one of their business partners um, through social media, there would be some consequences. So from that standpoint, I get, um, you know, I understand the NBA wanting to, you know, protect their product and, you know, protect their fan base in China. Um, I initially I didn't agree with Adam Silver's initial comments or at least the NBA's initial comments about uh, that sort of hinted at censoring um, some of the, um, you know, the opinions of uh, their players and their their owners uh, and their GMs. But I, I did like, you know, how I think maybe it was a day or two later, some sort of PR damage control that Adam Silver did where he said, you know, we we allow um you know, our guys, you know, to come out and, and speak, you know, on behalf of, you know, how they feel about, you know, world matters and all that. Um, so I, I don't know if, I don't think necessarily 
my, my react my overall reaction is this i think the nba i think adam silver has handled it as of now fine you know there's really not much she's obviously in a very tough position what I, what I, and I think that, you know, they've obviously taken it a step further. We saw the, you know, the reporter today, the CNN reporter, and I don't know it was a, it was a Rockets PR official who the CNN reporter asked a question to, I think it was to, uh, to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then it was, a, it was a question related to China PR person for the Rockets came, took the microphone away. So obviously the, the NBA is sort of, it, it does not want to, they don't want to talk about this any, any further, which I get. So I get all that. And, like I said, the reaction to it now, I think, is justified. It's understandable. It's fine. What I, where I think the NBA went wrong, is five or six years back, where they have not only um, encouraged uh, discourse and encouraged, uh, you know, their players to have, you know, speak out vocally about political matters, but they've, in a, in a sense, created a platform for it. Um, and once they do that you know, they sort of open up this whole can of worms to, you know, what's going on now where, you know, NBA players are not only going to be held to talking about NBA coaches and GMs and owners, not only talk about American politics, but they're going to have their feet held to the fire, so to speak, when it comes to world politics. And now that it conflicts with a business partner, it's, you know, they're, they're, they have to be censored. And, you know, obviously they give the company line as to, you know, they need more information before they can talk about what's going on, yada, yada. And it's really just making them look bad. It's making them look hypocritical. And I don't know where they go from here because the league has sort of marketed themselves and their players as this, you know, we're, we're not just going to shut up and dribble. We're going to have a platform. We're going to have a voice. We're going to speak up on political matters. And now I don't know if, you know, if, if they speak up again on something that's going on here, um, in America, I I feel like people are going to sort of tend to roll their eyes a little bit because, you know, when it came to, um, you know, other matters, uh, even more significant matters um, in terms of, you know, how people are treated and human rights violations and all that stuff in China, it's a, it's a really even bigger issue than maybe who who's the president of the United States. And in in that area, they weren't allowed to speak or or they said they didn't want to speak. So it's just it's it's a whole issue. It's a whole it's a tweet that may have cost the NBA a billion dollars. And again, I think the NBA sort of messed up years back where not only did they allow um, this dissenting opinion about you know certain United States politics, but 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 encouraged it, and it's coming back to bite them in the in the you know what. Yeah, I mean, I think you can trace this back to um, you know to to President Trump, and when his campaign was starting, uh, the NBA is a notoriously very liberal league, um, as you mentioned before. Um, I I do think that I just found it. I found it. I find it so disingenuous that guys like Steve Kerr, I mean, whose whose father was a diplomat who was murdered by the PLO, right? Who he's obviously a worldly guy, and he has no problems, you know, going after Trump for things, um, which is fine. You know what? Like I disagree with a lot of Steve Kerr's politics. I'm not as liberal as Steve Kerr. That's okay, and, and you know, he's allowed to he's allowed to speak his mind, but. You know, at a certain point, you look like a hypocrite when when we live in a democracy. As much as, you know, the, the leftist media likes to think that we don't live in a democracy, we live in a democracy where people generally are treated equally, right? Where the law states that they're, gen- that they're treated equally. He, you know, for him to go 
and and now I have a comment because he doesn't know about the issue, which is a total crock of shit in my opinion because he reads the newspaper. Like, yeah, he's, he can, he's informed enough to have an opinion. Yeah, I mean he's made his brand on this. So for you to for you to criticize a demo, your democratic leader, right? Which we're all for, right? We're all for democracy and and human rights, right? And then when a business partner is openly against that and not say anything, I mean, you're just picking and choosing when you want to speak up for whatever, you know, helps your brand or, or, or bottom line. And that's just, that was just terrible. I mean, and the other thing was that I saw people on Twitter that were, you know, expecting LeBron James to make a statement. Like, like LeBron is the modern day Muhammad Ali. Like, like right, LeBron never had anything to lose, right? LeBron grew up in a world where he he wasn't going to have things taken away from him. Muhammad Ali spent time in jail because he didn't want to go to Vietnam, right? LeBron never had anything to lose. So to make that comparison is asinine, number one. Number two, LeBron is going to say whatever Nike gives him the liberty to say, and that's correct because it's in LeBron's best interest because he has a lifetime deal with Nike. So it, it just the whole thing was it was just a mess. And yeah. whether whether you like the president of the United States or not, whether you agree with his policies or not, there should be a respect of the office. So when Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors or the Cavs, you know, they don't want to go to the White House. If you like the president or not, it's immaterial. You, you go because you respect the office. You don't have to respect the guy in office, but you respect the office. And this whole thing of them not doing that, and then all of a sudden, when it doesn't benefit them, right, when when the when the liberals are at risk of losing, you know, money, then all of a sudden they don't say anything when the oppressions there are way worse than anything here. It's just it's just crazy. The whole yeah, thing was just no, nuts. I think it's I think it's well said, and I'm I'm in your camp, and you know, and it's sad because they should be able to speak out, they should be able to voice their opinions, they should be able to, you know, I don't think what what you and I are both saying, we're not saying shut up and dribble. No, uh, just pick a lane. Just pick a lane. If right, you're gonna go right. in, go in. I mean, I personally think that the league, like every sports league, should just have a mandate. Listen, we are a for-profit business. We don't get involved in political or social issues. We're above the fray. We're not gonna necessarily tell our employees, whether it's players, coaches, general managers, what they can and cannot say. We're not right, gonna do right, that. But right. we and don't I, get involved. Right. And I think, and the last thing I'll say is to that point. I think what it's what you and I talked about earlier off, you know offline is or off of this call is to me it's there's nothing i mean it's i think it's great that nba players can can speak their mind about you know not just you know basketball related matters i I think i think that's awesome but i do question you know during the nba finals for example when and i get that steve kerr is being asked these questions or popovich gets asked these questions but you know, like before or after an, a critical NBA game is over, why these guys are fielding questions about politics is, you know, it's like the day of the NBA finals, but the number one headline on ESPN.com is what Steve Kerr, what Greg Popovich thinks about one of the latest political issues going on with Trump. And of course, it's obviously a negative response. But my, my point is, I, I don't think it's a bad thing for, for Adam Silver to, to, to almost have a rule where there is a time and place to talk politics and before or after an NBA 
press conference, an NBA press conference, like before or after a game, to me is not the time where a coach should be sitting there talking about what his feelings are on the president of the United States. Unless that president, unless unless the president called that coach or player out specifically, or that coach or player is in the news. To which me, is, if like, which is funny because that ended up happening this week. Sure, sure, but if, but if Popovich is sitting there and it's like you know, and it's after a big game and a reporter's like, oh, you know, what's your What's, you know, let's say, you know, God forbid there was another mass shooting and, 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 and a reporter wants to know Popovich's stance on what President Trump just said about guns and blah, 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 blah. Like Popovich's response should be, you know what, uh, you know, catch me later. We'll talk about it. Or, you know, I've given my thoughts on this matter or, you know, let's talk off, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that like these press conferences have now become a platform for how you know so and so feels politically about the president is to me that's something the NBA needs to look at. That is an issue when it's it's like on the field is now we're not just talking about basketball. What we're talking about you know how so and so feels about the president. That that's where the NBA needs to sort of rethink you know, the platform that they're giving. Um, yeah, it's just, to their coaches and it's players, just yeah. interesting how they're going to be able to do that to control, um, you know, the media, because as I think we both agree, the media has gone so overboard crazy about everything, right. That they're, they're just not, they just want to ask whatever questions they want to ask, whatever, you know, mandates are, are possible. Like it'll be damned. And then it's just like, I don't know. It's gonna It's, it's weird, but while I think that, you know, Adam Silver, you know, tried to do the press, the the PR and, and you know, do the cleanup, the initial response was pretty damning in my, in my opinion um, because that's how he really feels. And, and that's fine if, if you really feel that way, that, that you know, you, you apologize a little bit for the tweet. Not really apologizing, but kind of a little bit hinting at it. Yeah, but yeah. Just, it looked bad. Then just stay out of it altogether. But whatever, we're we're talking about fun stuff now. So, your Los Angeles Lakers—they played a exhibition game against the Golden State Warriors. Now they won the game. LeBron and Davis looked great. But defend your fan base a little bit in a sec- in a sense because you guys are a very proud fan base. You guys have won what is it, seventeen titles? Sixteen. Sixteen. But who's counting? Well, precisely. 16 titles. I mean, celebrating a preseason win like you just won a title. I mean, come on. That's beneath you guys. Yeah. I mean, I th- I'll, I'll say this. First of all, Lakers um, Lakers presence is loud on Twitter because I think there's just – it's volume. You know, there's so many um, there's so many big Laker fans out there. There's so many Laker fans out there. But I, so it always just it gets amplified uh, when the Lakers are good, you know, do well or, or do poorly. I'll also say that um, I mean it's been yeah we, we're a proud franchise that's used that has won a lot, but we haven't made the playoffs. I think the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in what six seasons. So when we and, and we have this habit where we we do tend to overreact, but I also think that's because we're probably so passionate about about this team and about this franchise and not only has it been a rough six years it's also been like a very chaotic um six years with the, you know new gm a lot of new coaches our team seems to be a completely new new personnel from year to year 
Um, we had, I don't know what, three years of saying goodbye to Kobe Bryant and his Achilles tear. So it's, it's been six years and I know to some franchises, um, six years is not that long to be in a playoff drought, but it felt like a really long six years. So now that, um, there's finally some, some, some positive stuff happening or, you know, it's just fun to see like two of the best players in the league on your team. Um, yeah, there's some over, there's some, there's some reaction, but I agree with you. I mean, it does, it's. It is a little bit of overreaction because I don't. I'm not as optimistic on the Lakers as you know one preseason game might tell you. Although I did see some positives that I liked. Well, we're gonna get to them in a second, but before we do, because obviously, given their off season, given their profile, given the players involved, whether it's LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the whole circus that we've documented on this show multiple times. Um, we'll get into them in a little bit, but I wanted to get your, your three most intriguing teams in the West. And obviously, we're, we're not picking the Lakers. Who are the three teams that interest you most and why? Okay. Uh, Houston Rockets, number one. Okay, they um, weren't on my list, but I'm glad they're on your list. Yeah, I think that if there's one coach who can make, De- who can make Westbrook and Harden work, I think it's D'Antoni. And I do think that Westbrook finally will turn a corner. I know he didn't do this with Durant, but I think he'll turn a corner and defer to Harden, which I think is a good thing. Um, And I think they have some other pieces in place too, carried over from the last few years, as well as experience that I think will lead them, you know, will, will lead them through a potential playoff run all the way to the finals. Like this is their, this might be their last, this is their window right here. And, you know, in terms of interesting, it's, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what their ceiling is, because if, I mean, you're essentially replacing Chris Paul with Westbrook on a team that probably challenged the super team warriors more than anybody else did the last few seasons. So to me, I think Houston is in terms of potential ceiling. um, It's the Rockets for me at number one. Uh, the other team that I have my number eye one in the on, West, number one, in number the West. one in the West. Correct. Correct. Uh, the other team that I have my eye on, this one is going to be a little bit surprising. I actually think the Oklahoma city thunder might be a little bit better than everybody thinks. Okay. Do um, explain know, because we're, when we were going to get into over unders, I looked at them hard, but explain because they're, they're a tricky number to bet. Okay. So if you look at just their personnel, Right, Chris Paul, who is still one of I don't know, keep me honest here, a top five point guard in the league, top six. Uh, his right, if if healthy, he, for sure top ten. And his numbers per per forty minutes when he was running the offense himself were huge. I mean, granted that came against you know second teamers, but and you and you saw the slippage like you saw the first step isn't there but like he was still productive when he had the ball in his hands and he's going to have the ball in his hands in Oklahoma City sure um then you take a guy i mean they have like like just looking at their lineup top Dennis Schroeder Steven Adams is still a top what keep me honest again top 4 or 5 center in the league um they got Gallinari uh, in that trade who's still productive Gallinari's so, productive you know, Norlands Noel, like they just don't have like it's it's one of those things. Andre Rober, like you know, Roberson, like they they have guys that you look at that are like, well, they're not, you know, like on paper. 
I know everyone talks like, as if like they blew it up, but it's actually not. It's it's not the worst roster on paper. They probably have a little bit of a shooting issue, but I could see like defensively them being like you know one of the. And they were a pretty good defensive team when they were zoned in, and I know obviously they had Paul George, um, and Westbrook, but even some of the other guys I thought played well on the defensive end. So I could see the Thunder as not a you know not competing obviously in the West. But um, as as maybe an outside you know playoff team. So it's interesting you say that because Westbrook is a gambler on defense, and his defense is hit or miss. Chris Paul still, even you know at his advanced age, it has been one of the best point guard defenders in the league. Uh, still, um, I mean, yeah, the shooting issue is not great, but you know Shea Gilgis Alexander that they got back in the Paul George deal looks like to be a really really good young player but it really all depends about the the trade market i mean the cloud that hangs over the franchise is they got all these picks they got off Chris Paul's money in the Westbrook deal and do they look to then trade Steven Adams and Chris Paul and and really go full youth movement i mean if they do that i i don't blame them for it uh, I know Miami still has interest in Chris Paul. Um, Steven Adams, as limited as he is, he he could fetch something. So it really depends what they decide to do in, in January and February. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, they could blow it up. But I just think as, like, if there's a team, there's always, like, a surprise team in the West. If they get an eight seed, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Right. I think that, you know, and yeah. we're gonna and we're yeah. gonna talk about that in a little bit because I think I mean this Western Conference is brutal. There are about five teams who can make that same case. Uh, For sure. So who's your who's your third team? And then the third team is I debated between the Nuggets and Blazers, but because the Blazers won that series, I give the edge to the Blazers as it, maybe they're and obviously this is a big maybe. Don't hold me to this. Can they be this year's Toronto Raptors, right? Where wow. there's like a window, like a window in the West, right? They've got their superstar. They can. We know that they can lock down defensively. They've got some really good pieces around Lillard. They've added some pieces. I know Paul Gasol's like on his last leg, but it's not the worst pickup. And and they needed a big guy. So maybe I mean you know, CJ McCollum is probably one of the more underrated players in the league. They shoot lights out from three. And they've got maybe potentially the pieces all around, maybe not, you know, the biggest star power, but if, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers, who knows what's going to happen with the Clippers, who knows what's going to happen with the Rockets. The Warriors are obviously a little bit depleted at the moment without Clay. So if there's a team sort of like Dark Horse, I know a lot of people are talking about Utah, about Denver, but who's the proven team of all those? And it's Portland. That's the team that made the third round last year. So if there's one team that can maybe put together that sort of Raptors formula uh, out west and sneak by, it could be the Blazers. They've, they've been sneaky the last few years. They've kind of like are on this little arc up. And they just never really seem to be able to squeeze through. Maybe this is the year for them. Well, they're betting on continuity, right? Like, that's what the Blazers are betting on. There's been a lot of change. You know, what was it? Like 40% of the league changed over. And they're betting on continuity. Um, I don't love Hassan Whiteside as a fit. I I just – I don't love his game. Yeah, I think they'll be able to cut bait. But he's just – he's just a weird character. I'm not sure where he fits there. I mean, it – they're so much better with Nurkic, and you saw that before Nurkic got hurt. The Blazers are a weird team because 
I can honestly see, and I know there were a couple of projections that have them out of the playoffs. I can see them being anywhere from a three, four seed to out of the playoffs. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know what to make of them. I, I think they're a little small but they're, on the but wing. They're they a lost good regular, but they're a good regular season team, though. Yes. They've proven that. Yeah. And, and you know, Dame Lillard's one of the ten best players in the league. And and when you have a guy like that, I, I can't imagine them making the playoff, missing the playoffs. But I think they're going to be an eight seed. And Denver's interesting, too, because they, they've got a bunch of pieces – you know, um, on their team that are young and and exciting. Jokic, if he's is like an A minus player, not necessarily an A player, but he's around a top ten player also. And yeah, but you know, it's harder to build a a, a team around a top ten guy as a big man given the way the league's played today. But it's interesting. I mean, for them, it's it's all about the, this kid Michael Porter Jr., who was their rookie last year, who didn't play, who was the six ten forward, who was the number one high school recruit. If if he's healthy and a monster, like that could push Denver over the edges. But it's funny you picked those three teams because I didn't pick either of the, any of those teams. Um, my first one is the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings. Interesting. That's like that's like an that's like an, a juicy NBA league pass team. Well, because if you looked at them last year, they made a huge jump. De'Aaron Fox is on a trajectory of being a star. I mean, this guy is on a trajectory of being an absolute star. And Marvin Bagley, somebody who I defended before the draft, who tons of people were hating on, defended him before the draft, looks like he can be a star too. And they just have a lot of really good players. And in the West, where it's going to be like a battle royale every night, who knows? I mean, maybe the youth wins out because they just have more stamina. Like, they're one of those teams that can be, you know, the surprise eight seed. And we're going to get into playoff projections in a little bit. But they're just an interesting team because they also have, you know, salaries to make a trade depending on which way they want to go. Like, they can either, you know, take on salary or they can move Harrison Barnes to a contender and then just fall back. So, they're really interesting. My second team is the Pelicans. Um, everybody's been speaking about the Pelicans, but I mean, I love Zion Williamson. I think Zion Williamson is going to be awesome this year. He's so incredibly exciting. He infuses life into that franchise, which after Anthony Davis did what he did to the Pelicans, seemed a little bit lifeless. But like Zion Williamson, I think can eventually be a transformative player in this league. Um, and I'm really high on Lon- on Lonzo Ball. I'm buying Lonzo stock. I actually think Lonzo is going to be the most improved player in the league this year. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, by the way, that everybody's high on Lonzo stock right after he leaves the Lakers. But yes, go on. But I was high on Lonzo stock even <laughs> even last year. But but the Lakers yeah, were, yeah. were a clown show last year, and the the whole thing with his dad and being in the same city, just like get him out of there. You know, fresh start love Lonzo this year and you know the addition of JJ Redick like they also have just a lot of really good players and we'll see what happens with Brandon Ingram Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league like he was maybe going to make an all NBA team you know it's just a a good good team and then my third one is the Warriors I don't know I I, we've spoken about this before still you're still giving out hope for them but I but I like it I agree 
I think D'Angelo Russell's really good. Um, I think that fit will be will be somewhat easy, and I think you're going to see the Steph Curry FU season, where Steph Curry proves I'm the second or third or fourth best player in the league. Yeah, and, I mean we've been you've been on that train, and you trust the infrastructure. You trust the infrastructure. Like this team has been winning now consistently for five six years. You know, I know we trashed Steve Kerr earlier, but when it comes to basketball, like, he knows what he's doing, right? If Draymond Green is going to be healthy and in shape, which he seems to be, you know, and Clay comes back, I, I mean, why are the Warriors not a top-four seed in the West? No, I think they are. I mean, I think D'Angelo Russell is, like, that's the— if he can—if D'Angelo Russell can, like, recreate himself in the aggregate of Clay Thompson— I think the Warriors have a real shot. and But then the tricky thing is, like, finding... Let's just say this Warriors team is clicking, and they're they're sort of, like, shades of, like, that 0-16 team. That's great. And then... But then what do you do once Clay comes back? Is it too... Is there too much... Is there not enough room to go around? Are they too... Are they too three-point heavy? Do they need a, a slasher? Do they need another... You know, so th- there's, there's a lot of questions there. And then also... I think a big key is right. How good is Draymond Green? If Draymond Green is like prime Draymond Green, the because I always think he, everyone always talked about Durant and Steph. To me, Draymond was always the X factor for that team. So if Draymond can be really good, I do think they're gonna they're you know Iguodala getting a little bit. I mean Iguodala not on the team anymore. Livingston not there anymore. They're a little bit thinner all around. But you're right. I mean if they get hot. And the D'Angelo thing works out. I do like the Warriors a lot too. Maybe not coming out of the West, but I like them as a top four seed, like you said. But if they get Clay back healthy, you know the the nucleus of Clay, Steph, and Draymond when they've been healthy is a proven nucleus that wins. It won in the playoffs yeah. when Durant was hurt. It it won a title before he got there. That team wins. So it, it's just they're they're interesting, and they made you know. Interesting little maneuvers around them. Like they got, they have some depth at at center now with Willie Cauley Stein and um, and Kevon Looney. Like they're just I, you can't count them out. And I, I understand there were there. I saw a couple of people predicting them to miss the playoffs. Like I can't imagine a team with Steph Curry missing the playoffs. Like Steph Curry's numbers, the offensive rating when he was on the court without any other All Stars or any other shooters last year. The Warriors were scoring points at a ridiculous clip. Still, this was without Durant, without Clay. You know, maybe Draymond was on the court, but he was a non-shooter last year. Like, Curry is an engine that makes an offense go by himself. So I, I'm really intrigued by them. Uh, the other one, and, and a bonus, is the Mavericks. Um, obviously, this is, this is hard for me to talk about because I, uh, I hated the Porzingis trade when it happened. Um, and he looks, he looks like he's going to be a monster this year and, and Luca and, and they're one of those five or six teams that if they made the eighth seed, you wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. It's one of the teams. It's definitely one of the teams that we left out. I mean, I I question how healthy Porzingis is going to be and how many games he's going to play, but it's, I mean, it, 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 they are interesting for sure. Super interesting. I, I, the West is going to be an absolute... It's wide open. It's not even that it's just wide open. It's just going to be a dogfight every single night. I mean, there are 13 teams that you can, you know, 
make cases for for the playoffs. So, you know, before we Definitely. get into the, the um, over-unders, we wanted to go back to your Lakers. So you, you said you're not as high on the Lakers um, as most are. Uh, but, you know, obviously I think they're going to be a good team, uh, a, a real good team, a solid playoff team for sure. Um, what are you nervous about with the Lakers right now before we get into our over-unders? Because the Lakers are one of my best bets for over-unders. Well, I think, first of all, you look at um, their second preseason game. Obviously, I didn't watch it. was on at 4.30 a.m. here in, in L.A. against the Nets, but they in China, but they shot, I think, a little bit under 30% from three-point range. And they, the Laker brass has sort of sold Laker fans on their depth down low. Obviously, Anthony Davis is, is, is a, a beast is an understatement. But with Javal McGee and Dwight Howard, I get it, like – they can clog up the lane. Dwight looks like he's in his best shape in years. Javal McGee can give you 15 solid minutes a game on the boards, contesting shots. But other than like what we know they can do down low, what we know what LeBron can do, the Lakers are the two best players in the league. That's great. But it's a three-point shooting league. Let's be realistic. And do you have enough guys on your team that – and Danny Green is good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not – you know, he, he's on the decline as well. Like, anybody who watched the Raptors more consistently last year knows that, like, he's not he, he, he's not the San Antonio Spurs prime green where he's, like, lights out and can, can hit you in, in a single game sometimes for six or seven threes from the outside. Like, he's, he's going to be up and down. He's going to be spotty. And other than him, if he's, like, your most – or he's your best three-point shooter, who else is there? Kyle Kuzma's inconsistent from three-point range. And we know Rondo can't, can't hit – anything from three-point land. I know when he's, you know, he's wide open, he hits a shot in a preseason game, everyone goes crazy. But in other words, it's a three-point shooting league. I'm not so confident in the Lakers three-point shooters from the outside. And then also their guards in, in, in the, in the front court. I don't know how those guys are going to be able to stop anybody with all the depth that guard play in the, especially in the Western conference. Like how are the Lakers at their guards with Avery Bradley, who I think is overrated to begin with as a defender, even though there's a lot of noise coming out of camp. But other than him, like, who are the other Laker guards? I mean, is it Caruso? Is it Rondo? Is it, you know, who else is, is it Caldwell Poe? Like, who else is going to stop guys like Stephen Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Lillard. Beverly, Lillard, like, the, I, can, I can keep going here, you know? Uh, so, Devin Booker, I mean, like, it's... I just don't see the Lake. I can see the Lakers, especially on the road when you've got tired legs, giving up a lot of points, especially from three-point land. Guards having their way against the Lakers, getting to the basket and scoring at will. And when you get in the dog days of December and January, it's not always easy to like have fresh legs and make sure you're you're young enough, athletic enough, you know, to to be able to to stop other guys from 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 scoring, especially the guards. So I think those two areas. Lakers' lack of ability to shoot the three and defend the three, I think, are the two biggest areas that will end up hurting the Lakers. We saw it a lot last year, and they had guys like Lonzo, who was excellent defensively, and Ingram, who showed spurts defensively. Now those guys are no longer on the team. So how they're going to clear that up, I have no idea. Listen, it's LeBron and Anthony Davis alone, I think, will win you 50 games or close to it. But the best team in the league, in a three-point shooting league where – you're not really good on either side of that. I just, I don't know. I don't see it um, just based off of the personnel. So we'll see. My biggest thing, besides for all the things that you mentioned, is just that 
you're also def- the way the roster is constructed. You're you're dependent on JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, right? And right. and that's because Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five. And right. their best lineup is going to be LeBron at the four and Anthony Davis at the five, and then putting things around there. And where does Kuzma fit into this? Because he and LeBron are basically the same position because neither of them, you know, LeBron could pass for a small forward, I guess, a little bit still, but like Kuzma kind of can't. He's a little bit of a tweener. Um, it's just it's just a weird roster that, yes, Davis is a monster. He's a top 10 player in the league. LeBron's still a top 10 player in the league, and they're going to win a lot of games. I just, it's just a little limited for my taste, which brings us to our over-unders. Uh, we're going to each pick five of our favorite over-under bets in the West. Uh, I'll let you go first with your first pick. Let me, uh, hold on, just getting out the list here. By the way, these numbers are based off of Odd Shark's website that we're using. Uh, these numbers were updated today. Okay. Should we should we go through each West team, or you want my favorite? No, one no. We're we're, we're we're going to alternate. Uh, we're each going to give five picks. Uh, we'll alternate um, your your favorite bets. If you were placing bets, which ones you'd place? Got it. Okay, my five favorite. Yep. Who's okay. your first? I like I like the Warriors at the under. 57 wins under 57 wins wait you have them at 57 the warriors i have no, oh i'm sorry i'm looking at the wrong column i'm looking at the wrong column here we got 48.5 they got okay here we go i'm sorry let's scratch that okay golden state warriors this is what i had written down favorite at 48.5 favorite to go over i mm-hmm. got the over for the warriors i do too for the rockets okay which is which is my next one at 53.5 I like I like the over for that as well for the Rockets. That's another favorite one right there. Interesting. They weren't on my list. My number two, I, I have the Warriors over at forty eight and a half for the reasons I said before. My number two is the Lakers. Forty nine okay. and a half. You like a, a slight under. I don't feel I'm, I'm great right. about it, but I'm right there with you. But you know, Vegas has got very smart with these numbers. And I think it's a slight, slight under. Yeah, because you also don't know like how many games is LeBron going to be healthy for, Correct. right? Like you can usually see him out for so, and I can see the Lakers sort of getting in that mode where they start off hot, and then they sort of cool down a little bit because somebody's hurt, and then they maybe go into cruise control going to the playoffs because the thought probably with LeBron because he's he's done this so many years in the East is hey if we just get in, fifth seed, sixth seed, whatever we have a shot. So correct. I like I like the under on the Lakers as well. I, th- the- I think the Lakers are going to be a more dangerous playoff team than they will be a regular season team. Yeah, I mean that's the hope, right? Yeah. Um, the next one that I, I actually like the over on this one a lot is, and I could actually see that we haven't mentioned them. I could see them being the one seed as well in the West. The Utah Jazz, the over at fifty three and a half. Interesting. Because I was I, think- I, I was going the other way. You've got the under why? I just, I, 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 the dynamic like Mitchell has had. They had a really good off season, right? But it, it, it's still a lot of moving parts, and I think it's going to take some time to gel. So, I mean, t- for them to win fifty four games like that—that's a lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. Um, it's a lot of wins. And, you know, consistently they've started out slow uh, the last couple of years, and then they've turned it on and had monster second halves. 
And I just think it may take them a little bit of time to gel. I mean, I have them as, I think they're going to win 50 games. Again, I think they're going to be better than they were last year. But to win 54 is tough. That's tough. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, the other one, I mean, obviously, piggybacking on what I've said earlier, I like Portland at over 46 and a half. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I didn't pick that, but because uh, the, you know, the nu- the number is just too smart for me there. I just yeah. I wasn't wasn't sure. But yeah, I, but I I'll respect tell you, that. I'll tell you, uh, uh, my last one, the fifth one, who I'm really sold on the under, is the Spurs at 45 and a half. It's, it's not that many games this. for them, but I just think like we keep thinking that there's a year where there's like a decline is going to happen. I remember watching them in that game seven versus Denver. And I was like, man, if they don't do enough offensively in the off season, this team is like, it's just, it's, it's, it's maybe rebuilding time somewhat for them. So with so many teams getting better in the West, other than them, I could see the Spurs having a down year, which for them is not, you know, is, is, is 43, 44 wins, but 45 and a half seems high for them. I, um, I thought about that long and hard. Uh, I thought about that one long and hard. I ultimately said that that was going to be a stay away just because the Spurs got like sneakily better this offseason, I think. Uh, they're going to get DeJounte Murray back. They're going to get uh, Lonnie Walker, their first-round pick last year, who looked like a monster. I know it's summer right. league, but like they're going to get young and athletic again. And... The infrastructure, it's it's. T- I don't know what to make of the Spurs, but I, I just, if I was putting money down, I, I didn't want to be the guy who, who, you know, every year is going to predict. It's kind of like the Patriots. Like, when will Tom Brady fall off? It's like you're, and then they you're, never fall and off. And then they never fall off, and and you yeah. lose. So I'm just staying yeah. away. My last yeah. two is Sacramento over thirty eight and a half. I think Sacramento okay. can actually be five hundred this year. Yeah, you're high on them. And the last one is Phoenix under 29 and a half. I like that one too. Why is Phoenix why is Phoenix projected to win 30 games? They're horrendous. I mean, they've got two good players, you know, but you're right. But are they good, but good are there good players, good players? Or right. are they I empty? mean, well, well, Booker alone will win you 20 games maybe. Really? I, I uh, okay, so I've had fifteen this... to twelve. Yeah, he'll get hot. He he's gonna get hot at some point and go off and win you again. Yeah, I mean yes, but you're right. Other than that, I mean they can't guard anybody. Are you are you a Booker fan? Generally, I like his game. Well, I mean, listen, I I've watched Kobe Bryant for twenty years, so yes, a guy who you know doesn't want to pass to his teammates and can go off for seventy points at any given moment. Yeah, it's right up my alley. <laughs> but the difference <laughs> is, is Kobe was maniacally competitive. Yeah. And he played defense. Yeah. And none of these he's things fun. that Booker's Dev- fun. I don't love Booker, but he's fun. Oh, I can't. I can't stand the guy. I think he's so yeah. empty calorie stats. Um, yeah. And the yeah. thing over the summer where he's complaining about a double team. In, yeah, the double team. And um, in an open run. Yeah, he and doesn't to, like that. To kind of, to contrast that with Kobe, <laughs> like complaining about a double team, like not yeah. to toot my own horn, but I get doubled in my Wednesday night run, and and I don't right. complain about it. Like right. you play to you win. If you're, yeah, you play to win. If you're playing with to a score, that means you're playing yeah. to win, right? And yeah. Yeah. you're allowed to try and win. Yeah. So Kobe, yeah. your boy, who I actually think has been dragged through the mud, his legacy oh, way too much. I mean, it's it, the the Kobe slander that I've seen this off season is just, is just insanity. Yeah. 
If you just read Twitter, you would think Kobe had the career of like Larry Hughes. It's it's wild. It's absolutely <laughs> wild. And I constantly yeah. tag you on in videos on Facebook where it's like, but James Harden's better, right? And I don't think our our other friends understand well, always, where I'm coming from. Kobe, you know how Kobe, you know Kobe's really good? It's because he's always the bar. Like, whenever someone plays really well, it's like, oh, they're probably better. Like, it used to be Jordan. And obviously, it's still Jordan because Jordan is the you know, best of the best of the best. But it's it's like Kobe, I guess, maybe because he's more recent, has now taken that, like, you know a guy is really good if we're now saying he's better than Kobe. Like, Kawhi, there was conversation in this playoffs. Like, is Kawhi better than Kobe? And now it's like – and then, like, before that, it was hard. And so it's like Kobe is kind of – Right, he, he gets dragged through the mud, but then he's always compared to like who's ever hot at the moment in the league. So it's sort of a compl- like a backhanded compliment. But yeah, but Kobe had this story like where he talked about getting doubled in an open gym, and he's like, he's like, bring it, bring three. And he's like, yeah. and I, I just yeah. scored on him anyway. Yeah. And Kobe's yeah. a badass. If you ain't Kobe yeah. Bryant, you're, you, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. All right, yeah. so we've got our over unders. Um, Predict your eight playoff teams in the West. You don't have to predict the where they finish, but your eight playoff teams. Okay, I'm gonna go. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a little bit from you here. I like the Mavericks as I, I know we're not seeding here, but I like the Mavericks as maybe that last seed to get in. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna go Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, you said not in any order. The Denver Nuggets, I think, get in. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think the Rockets, I think the Clippers, I think the Lakers, and I know we've got two other spots here. We've got the Jazz and the Blazers. Those are my eight teams. Right. Okay. So I've got Denver, and I know, and it's tough because like I'm leaving New Orleans out. I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like, but it's that's just the West. A crazy stat: JJ Redick, who is a great pickup for New Orleans, has never I know, missed the playoffs. Never, never missed the playoffs. I know. I know. I've got Denver, Houston, Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Portland, Utah. That's already seven. Yeah. And my last one is... Spurs or or Mavericks? Uh, I'm going to go with Old Faithful until they let me down. First. Yeah, it's just yeah, that's probably the smarter pick. You just, just you just kind of sold me on Dallas, which I was kind of I kind of forgot about. But no, I like I mean, I think that's that's if you're a betting man, that's that's the right. Eight, I mean, and think and think about teams in, in line for the, the seventh and eighth seeds. You've got maybe Portland. Who knows? You have, you know, the Spurs. You have Dallas. You have Sacramento. You have New Orleans. I mean, that's uh, four teams for for the eighth seed. It's crazy. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. Yeah. It's must-see TV every night. Every every single night. And I know we opened up our, our conversation bashing the NBA a little bit, but it's we don't care about that kind of stuff right. at the end well, of the day because well, we pro- love sports. Well, the, the product is great. It's just the noise that's seeping in. It's like the yeah. NFL with the anthem thing, you know? Yeah, it's but the product is awesome. I maintain it's the best uh, sport in all the land. Now, before I let you go because we've been on for a while, what's your – if you had one – bold take from the Western Conference. One bold prediction. Go. What is it? Yep. Yep. Here we go. So this is the the first sentence you're going to think I'm the biggest uh, uh, Laker homer clipper hater of them all. But then the second sentence, you're going to realize that that I'm 
I'm trying to use my brain here. So I think the Clippers go under at 53 and a half wins. So I think they, in a, I think they underperform in general this year because under 53 and a half is what maybe a fourth or fifth seed potentially in the West. I could see that happening, but then I also think the Clippers are going to the NBA Finals. So I think that in perfect Kawhi Leonard fashion, I think the Clippers potentially take some time to gel. I think Kawhi and Paul George will take off nights for load management. I and, think, and Paul George got the shoulder injury. We're not even Paul sure George, when he's going to come back. He's not going to start the season. Got, exactly. And as much as the Clippers want to sell, like we're going full force and we're going to be healthy and Kawhi's going to play all 82 this year and all that, it's not his style. I think it worked for him in Toronto. And I could certainly see that team starting to gel at the right time. I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. And I could see them, you know, not dominating the West, but then almost being a little bit like kind of the quiet team that that creates a lot of noise and gets through all the way to the finals. If there's anybody that can do it, it's quiet. So that's my prediction. Clippers have a so-so average season. They, they get into the playoffs, fourth or fifth seed. And then Kawhi and Paul George turn it on and they defeat the Lakers um, in the second or third round, defeat the Rockets somewhere in there and get all the way to the finals. Mine is, I think the Sacramento Kings go 500. Okay. I think they go 500 after yeah. a decade, over a decade of not being close to playoff contention, of being under 500, of being a laughing stock. I think they go 500. Yeah, I'd like to see it for Luke Walton. Who who had way too much to deal with with the Lakers, but, you know, I I just, I, I like De'Aaron Fox a lot, and I like Bagley. All right, Rob, yep. this has been great. We're going to have to do this again during the season. Of course we will. And um, maybe, possibly, I'm going to be seeing you in a couple of, couple of days, making my, my right. way out to Cali. Make it happen, man. Good let's, times. Let's do it. Thanks so much again, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks again to my guest tonight, Robert Carpellis, on an awesome, awesome uh, Western Conference preview. Really, really great stuff. We got into a lot. Uh, really fantastic talk. That is episode 60 for the love of the game. Take us out, Fat Joe. You know already had money. Definition of that brown paper bag money. Child running and zip you in the bag money. For the cash, I'll blast anybody that. Knows the flow, show you how to do this. Pen is so easy, caveman can do it. We simply the best, don't confuse it. I confuse it, critics be hating. Best album yet, but give me the same rating. I'm waiting, top of rap, rush more. Edge the stone, right beside Punch Wall. Unsure, anything's possible. Four mil spent, pulled out the art basel. I'm Picasso, in the Versace suit. Don't worry, my little gallet, I got you. Not just cause I want you, cause I got to. Put the squad in your back, that the impossible. It's only logical, spit it from the heart. Brown paper bag, who else but you're the guard that? Road paper
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.